0: Thank you for listening to the Wannabes 1v1 series. This episode is with my good pal Ipengu, another content creator, but he's been doing it a bit longer. Um, He's really prominent in the scene. You might have seen him commentate a number of majors kind of all over the place, kind of kicking ass. And I just wanted to talk to him for a while about how he got into it, how he motivates himself, what kind of work he likes to do, and this really helped me kind of figure out my own place in the scene and where to go forward myself. If you like this episode, there are other content creator episodes out there. Young Donut, Save Is Untitled, and coming up the next few weeks, we'll have some other content creators as well. So keep on the loop for that. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. I never ask people to subscribe. I don't even even know what it does. Um recommended to a friend. I don't know. But if you're listening, that means that uh you found us, you like us, or you just like you pengu. I don't know. Anyway, you're here for the man himself. I'll get out of the way. Enjoy my conversation with Zayn. You know this man as a smash interviewer content creator commentator and journalist he is an important voice in our community and you could watch uh, don't laugh i wasn't even done with the plug and you could watch his youtube ch- you know i'm not even gonna plug your youtube channel anymore uh, <laughs> that's fine we have Fuck it we have i don't e- care Mingu. We on the pod today. How you doing, man?
1: I'm doing good.
0: How are you doing, Jesse? I really surprised you with the important voice part, didn't I?
1: Uh, you did. You did. I feel like more often I'm just the moderating voice to Rishi's important voice. I'm the conduit through which his important top player thoughts come to the community.
0: Yes, but I would argue that the conduit is uh, equally essential, no? Oh, for sure. That fucker couldn't get anything done without me. Yeah, I know. So there you go um obviously you have your own podcast analog so this is kind of a uh, a crossover episode of sorts mm-hmm. um i think i hit you up oh hmm, four months ago oh it was way <laughs> longer than up. that it was so much longer than that <laughs> yeah you were you were um on the short list of first guests i was you you hit me up at all.
1: you hit me up as soon as you guys started the podcast like so mm-hmm. how long have you guys been doing the podcast for
0: well, we've been doing the podcast for uh, over a year. We right. just hit the year mark, but um, we started doing interviews. I think around six months ago. It, then it,
1: I'm pretty sure you hit me up six months ago. I'm, I'm yeah, for sure. Pretty sure. Um, also, I do want to add as a caveat: Rishi can get stuff done without me. It's actually super annoying. Um, I've been so upset by it. The fact that he makes very high quality videos like the jungle jam video and the choosing your main video without yep i i still talk to him when he's making those and we pitch ideas back and forth but i'm like god damn it you know how to use fucking sony vegas this whole time
0: what what am i around for anyways anyways i just wanted to say that it upsets me no, I'm glad you got it off the top where he might still be listening, and um, I hope it causes a rift. He has, a, then, he has uh, a
1: very limited attention span, so I think we're at two minutes in right now. We, we mm-hmm. probably are right at that, that event horizon where he may have shut it off already because he didn't
0: hear himself talking. Nice. Well, that's good. <laughs> at least he heard his name, and uh, we might have snuck in there for another few minutes. So any other things you want to talk about, Rishi? Now's the time. Nope, he's verboden um, for the rest of the podcast all right sweet so um i definitely wanted to have you on because um you've just been doing i got to say it a bunch of shit for a long time yeah um and that's kind of what i uh, appreciate especially in our young community right we're all just like no, i wouldn't say we're all in our 20s but we're all like generally under 40 which is still young we're in our 20s my my uh Right? Am I assuming your age? Yeah, I'm, I'm 20. I'm 24. <laughs> okay, same. So, yeah, same age. And we're just like, at least me, I'm just figuring this out. Like, I'm just throwing things at a wall and seeing what sticks. Um, does that kind of resonate with you or do you have more of a directed path? It 100% resonates with me. My girlfriend's walking in right now, so I'm going to
1: wait until she's done to give my answer. Oh, she just gave a shush motion and then walked past me cleanly. Hi. Oh. I hope you had a good day. Wow. I got bamboozled. Um, okay. I wanna ask you, uh, uh how old do people think you are in the Smash community, usually?
0: Oh jeez. Um well, I haven't ran a poll in a while. Um, how old do you think I am? I don't know. I, I think like th- I think I I pretty much act my age, which is less of a compliment than it is just like, um, you know, I, I, an insult, really. Like, why? Why do you ask that question? <laughs> well,
1: see, acting your age in the Smash community means something a little different too, though. I feel like when you act like a typical 24-year-old in Smash, they think you're like 35. Um, yeah. N- not actually, but the amount of people who have thought I was not far older but significantly older than i am. Uh it it's not a small number. Most people i've talked to think that i'm like 3 or 4 years
0: older than i am. Uh, Dude, i was going to say i was going to guess like 27 28. Oh, that's, interesting. You you got a you got a deadlock of what i was thinking cuz that's why i didn't want to uh, play around the uh the 30-year-old is old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trope. no. Cuz i'm like shit, is this guy is this guy touch and it's not like you look older. You know, your skin your skin is wonderful, but it was um i think it's definitely the um just ha- habitually how you've been presenting yourself and how you've been sort of i think i think it really shows in your content it shows um in your discourse and um really your attitude in general is not that it's like super mature everyone sit down and mind your business and get off my lawn it's it's sort of like You know, I saw it in the Genesis videos you put out, which I really liked. Those interviews in between sets and Mm stuff—they were—they were were really like more wholesome than a lot of the other content out there. Not to bash anything else, sure, but I could see why someone would look at them and be like, "Wow, he is not the 19-year-old, you know, sticking controllers up his nose and doing handstands, um, you know, to get to get the clicks."
1: Yeah, I feel like I feel like there were a few contrasting uh elements to those videos that led people to be confused about my age in general maybe because uh i remember so you know i go back and watch twitch chat of everything i do because i'm a masochist and uh when i was commentating with sammy so many of the comments at the beginning were like lol sammy in a tank top pengu wearing a suit it was not a suit it was a blazer by the way but uh (laughs) It was a tasteful blazer, but it was it was still funny. I do admit that. But the reason I wore that suit is because I, I wanted to sort of ape Vish's look since I was nominally filling in for him in, in Vish on the scene. Um, and then when I did those interviews and they played on stream, I I made at one point, I, I was sort of ad-libbing to the camera a few different times, but at one point they specifically said like, oh, ad-lib to the camera. And I turned around and I went, I'm sick of people saying that Genesis 1 Grand Finals is their favorite genesis memory we get it you were there like big deal um and it was meant to be very facetious but when i saw the final edited product which was was great in in most regards it didn't i'm not sure it came off as entirely facetious and then all of twitch chat was calling me a zoomer everyone just spammed zoomer when they saw that um which is great i mean i i think you should take every opportunity possible to call someone either a zoomer or a boomer, whichever applies. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was still—I think that's the first time I've ever been called
0: a zoomer, which maybe says something about how people perceive my age. Yeah, there's something interesting about the young person more mature than their age, which which kind of averages out to 24. So we're like right in that middle ground. Mm-hmm. But when you when I see like a 19 year old wearing a suit and like saying very <laughs> like progressive policies and shit, I'm like, all right you know like it gives me hope and stuff. So um I think it's a good place to be, you yeah, know. Yeah. And and especially I think, you know, when it comes to smash and the the type of stuff we're seeing um it's refreshing to have someone else I think with a similar attitude to mine where in the begin in the beginning I was doing one thing, I was trying to do like comedy stuff and then I I tried to just like Stop being a player altogether all and, like, focus on commentary. Then I'm like, no, I want to do podcasts. No, so it's like what I see in what you're doing is, one, a um, a commitment to quality that is just obvious, right? I, I, if someone looked at any one of your projects a year apart from each other, hmm. they would see improvement. Hmm. They would see someone who is taking it seriously and, you know, wanting it to be a a good product. Um, But I would also see someone who doesn't take himself too seriously, Um, which is another kind of thing I I want to have in myself. I've struggled with that before, but it's something I admire in in anyone that I see. So uh, do you feel... Like that is a inappropriate compliment, or do you think do you kind of bristle at it um because I'm missing something in the equation? I,
1: I very much appreciate the idea that I don't take myself too seriously. I like that a lot, uh, that idea. Um the idea that there's a commitment to quality is something that I guess I've had to come to terms with myself, a sort of. Um like, really, that that I make quality content has almost been a realization for me. Um, you know, so I worked at Cheddar Esports for the last year before this, and I left that job a few months ago. Uh, but before that, I was freelancing, and I would always, and doing a lot of the stuff, doing more of the stuff, actually, that maybe I'm known for in the Smash community, and that I was actually... Doing analog, you know, like we were releasing weekly, and I was trying to be bigger on getting interviews out, and I set up a Patreon and all that jazz, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I had a lot of doubt about my own work ethic and the quality of the content I was putting out. Actually, I did not feel especially confident in it. I've always felt, um, I'm one of those people who are who are their own biggest critic, and in terms of the video content that I put out, I really have never thought that it's that groundbreaking in terms of quality. I, I know this sounds almost dick-ish to say, but, but then so what I was saying is once I started working at Cheddar, I did realize that I I do have a lot of I place a lot of value in quality and I obviously try to make that happen in everything I do, and I think that my doubt in myself more came from a result of the circumstances that i was in but um i mean i still to this day i i think that you know when i do interviews with players at tournaments i like doing them and i am so thankful that people seem to like them and that i get praise for them but i mean i just go and talk to people is it uh, uh, people have asked me before how do you do that and to me that is a a very strange question i don't know I, I feel like I just did it because no one else was doing it. It wasn't really that hard.
0: Well, it feels like it's it's kind of, uh, not to downplay your work, but it feels like it's a talent you have, or at least um, something that comes more naturally than uh, someone who's less well-spoken. So I think it's sort of, um, at least from my perspective, it it's a combination, right? It's something that You know, if you were terrible at it the first time you tried it, if you were like scared shitless, and if you stumbled over your words and deleted the the video by accident and just had this epic breakdown, (laughs) you know, then you probably wouldn't still be doing it. That's a good
1: point. That's a good point.
0: So so I think it's a little column A column B where I have I I couldn't say I've seen your first interview, (laughs) but um, I would assume it was worse than the work you're doing now. Um, and I think what is more telling is not what you were naturally able to do, but the fact that you stuck with it because you liked it and are continuing to kind of, to, to go into it and the style of it's changed too. I, I um, how many, how many kind of, of those montage videos have you put out? Um, cause I know you have a lot more like. Um, behind the scenes like a 5 to 10 minute vi- um like one person interview mhm um how many of those like montages have you done um i mean really only
1: well it depends i mean in terms of me interviewing the people it's two really cuz i count the genesis things all as one and i didn't even edit those like i said it was the genesis team that edited those um so yeah so so i count all of those as one because they got excuse me split up um i did one at big house a few years ago uh and i was honestly that was one time where i was really proud of my work and how cuz i i did the interview edited delivered in a, in a day in like 6 hours um i honestly do not know how i did that i used to have so much <laughs> more energy at tournaments oh it's insane um but uh yeah i mean that sort of stuff has always been for an event rather than something i've done on my own i mean that old big house thing lives on the big house channel i think or maybe vgbc i think it lives on vgbc actually and this current one currently lives nowhere although i'm trying to get it to live somewhere um but i have been thinking about doing more of those rather than just the sit down and talk interviews it's more a factor of really i i think that the edited together interviews are cool and they're not anything anyone else is doing in smash which is insane by the way it's really easy um (laughs) i know i sound like a dick here but really it's especially when the only editing you're doing is cutting together clips for rhythm it's not not that hard to do it um But when I think about what I do actually bring talent wise to the scene or that I bring that other people aren't doing, it's not those type of interviews, which could be, in my mind, even so much better if you had someone who uh, I think I'm okay at improv and that sort of comedy, but I'm certainly not a talent, a super talented comedian. And it's not something I put a lot of time into. I mean, the obvious analog is slime. Uh, and he is sworn off doing slime on the scene forever. But even if you don't rip him off entirely, doing some sort of comedic bent where your personality gets injected a bit more is the ideal way to do those videos, I think, in a, in a lot of ways. I just don't find them that interesting from a creative perspective in some ways. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that my talents lie more in in doing long-form interviews. I do think that that's where my actual quote-unquote talent, which is a word that I you can see I'm a little... Uh, I, I walk on tiptoes around, but I I think that's where it lies more is doing long form interviews and keeping a conversation moving. And that's based not only on my own feelings, but also on the feedback that I get from videos that I've done. When I do a video that is one of those edited together things, it's people saying, oh, so cool to hear from these players and, uh, and et cetera. And just mostly posting quotes from what people say in the video, like they're 12 year olds which is fine. And that's great. And I'm glad it brings people joy. But when I do a long form interview, people do say, Oh, wow, I'm impressed by how Zane pivots between questions and how he naturally moves the conversation along. Uh, So maybe there's some aspect of me wanting to do something that is more centered around my own talents and being self centered in that. Uh, But to me, it's just where I find more pleasure in like, Craft. I do find pleasure in editing the the other videos, though, when I do get a chance to do that.
0: It's interesting that you mention that it's self centered, because my philosophy on how our scene has come to the where it is is that everyone is kind of only able to do their thing. Mm -hmm. Like there's no room for people to succeed in doing something that's not themselves. Like there can only be one person doing what ludwig is doing to the Mm -hmm. level that he's doing it same thing with all the bad melee guys same thing with um with you and rishi like i don't think that it's possible like there's not enough meat on the bone of melee for people to be you know saying okay i need to choose streaming because that is the route that is successful like very little of this is successful it's it's more about using it as an opportunity to like do what you're meant to do and so i think I, agree. I think that's the only thing you can do is if if the if the long-form interviews are where you succeed and you're like it's not just you have to pick one that's not what i'm saying but what you're good at and what you like i think that that's kind of where you should live and do you feel bad about that or is that just something that you no. said like not not thinking about it too much of the the self-guilt sort of route and there's no self guilt in it to be honest i at all uh i think when i
1: say that it's self-centered i do that with a lot of self-reflection and just sort of accepting it um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, i mean obviously my primary goal in those interviews is not for me to become famous it, it it is to get interesting answers from people and have interesting conversations and i i do my best to do that and i uh, I could promote analog and promote the interviews and and try to make more money on patreon so, so much you know like uh and part of that boils down to work ethic i have so much respect for ludwig just out of the sheer work ethic that he has which is unmatched by anyone else in smash just flat sure. out i'll say yeah. that um but but also it's like i don't want analog to be the thing where i'm trying to make us blow up as un reasonable as it ever would be for us to blow up i also just like don't want to do that and not to sound too self-assured but i do have experience doing that you know working for cheddar working for htc esports before that i like have managed a lot of popular esports projects before and i know seo and i know social media and stuff and i did it for a living a little bit um but i don't really care that much and maybe some of that also comes with stuff that i should talk to my therapist about about preconceived notions of when it's okay for me to be successful or not uh but but to to get back to really what i was trying to say i feel no guilt about it because something that i've always said to people um is that this was more specifically about commentary but it was that you should commentate for selfish reasons, in a way, is what I think. I think that's true for 98% of all commentators. Um, I think the only people it's not true for, maybe it's getting a little bit bigger, but it's like Armada and PP, and like maybe Scar and Toph, but for different reasons. Armada and PP, obviously because their insight into the game is so incredible, and then Scar and Toph because I really do genuinely think that their charisma actively benefits are seen and that mm-hmm. they are powerful representatives of it but i do think when you think about why you commentate it should be for not selfish obviously is a hyperbole but i think that you should think about yourself primarily you're kidding yourself if you say that part of the reason you do commentary is not because you want people to see you on the microphone
0: 100 yeah,
1: it's just a f- straight up lie if you say that that's not part of your motivation we like to be seen and we like to be heard. And the Smash community uh, thinks of that as anathema for some reason. To want to be seen and heard and openly admit that is like one of the worst things you can do in Smash, especially if you're not a man, especially if you're not a white man. Let's be really clear about that. Yeah. Um, but in general, too, it's just it's just one of the things that the Smash community hates the most, which is bullshit. Um in my mind. And I think that if you are open with why you want to commentate, which will always be partially because you want people to see and hear you, then it's easier to get past any hangups that you may have and tap into what you're actually there to do. So for me, I was like, yeah, I want to be here and I want to commentate because I want people to see and hear me. And why do I want them to see and hear me? Well, it's not because I want to present this fake version of myself and blow up i just want to have fun talking about smash and try to get better at talking about smash and see if people do like me like there's obviously a a liking and fulfillment thing in that and then it guides you way more accurately than if you're pretending to do it for the community and i think the only people who can say they're doing it for the community like i said are like ppmd armada sammy i forgot sammy earlier he can do it too He's, he's just
0: a pure gift. Yeah. <laughs> and, then,
1: and, then, and those are all because of their analysis, um, which is amazing. Mango, too, when he does do it. I mean, that man's one of the greatest commentators we, we have, to be yep. quite honest. 100%. Uh, and then Scar and Tof, because having Scar and Tof on the mic when they are performing at their peak uh, actively helps the melee community.
0: Yeah, and and from my perspective, and you know that I also try to get on commentary as much as possible. It's you know I I truly love it, um, and realistically it's it's funny because you if you explain yourself for it, it, it takes a while to get back to another point of empathy, right? So you you start off and it's like you're I oh, I really want to get on commentary, you know? It's like all right, yeah, everyone wants to commentate. Why do you want to do it? Truthfully, I want to because I want to get better at it and do it more. And the way to do that is to be seen and to have people trust you. So then people are like, "Eh, all right, it's a little fishy. It's a little like self brandy. That's a little like, you know, social media influencer E, you know, it's, it's getting into that territory of like, what are you doing? But then realistically it's like, all right, then I want to turn that into something I can, you know, leverage into a career. It's still Mm -hmm. annoying, right? Something I want to, uh, so I could quit my job and do something like that full time. Okay. But that's because I'm unhappy for nine hours out of the day. Sure. And all, yeah. and th- then then you're back to sympathy land. So I think most people who are trying to find something out of Melee, out of League of Legends, out of any esport and are kind of shoehorned into this stereotypical like e-boy, um, you know, don't want to get a real job. They just want to play video games, you know, just want to be a streamer, all this stuff you know dig into it it's like we're just trying to find our happiness somehow Mm -hmm. you know and so what's interesting is right now the zeitgeist of the melee community and it goes into a little bit of of the recent topic this week which i wonder where this will go going forward but the whole like nintendo hates us movement Mm -hmm. going on people who are taking this seriously you see it in um, Zane, the, the Marth Zane, not mm-hmm. you. Um, you see it in like Bobby Big Balls um, and everyone who's starting to make more and more content. People are seeing that making stuff is the way out. That's the only way to put, to put yourself in that position. That's the only way to market yourself, to, to increase <clears throat> your brand or for people who don't like the word brand, I like to just use the word reputation mm-hmm. um, and then leverage that into some sort of career where tournament winnings or sponsorships are not enough, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where we are now. That's the the meta conversation of this is that's literally what we're doing this very second, and it's a code I'm trying to crack. Like, I'm I'm proud of what I did with the wannabes, but we still I mean we haven't hit three thousand listens in a year, you know. Right. So it's like we're trying to we're we're still trying to to bump that up, and then where do you go? Like I could I could talk about this all you know all day. And I that's why I was so excited to have you on because <laughs> there's so few people that kinda of have that that experience and you've been doing it longer and I just want to hear everything you have to say. Your your entire experience, like what let, let's form it into a question so we can keep this rolling. And sure. and I, I just want to like I wanna feed you this stuff, not just rant myself. <laughs> um but what what made you what was like the actual catalyst that made you want to start either your podcast or your video or just smash content in general
1: well you know so i i started out with commentary before anything else actually um in 2016 i want to say 2015 2016 my first big commentary gig was at htc throwdown and i also want to be very very um candid in recognizing that a lot of the opportunities afforded to me are because i was lucky enough to work a job in the industry where i could leverage a bit not that i ever like put myself on i didn't do that that's not what happened but you know i uh i htc throwdown i got to commentate that because i people had heard me commentate other stuff beforehand and uh had to talk to me about the game and they were like yeah you can do a few sets um and that was cool And then I actually got to replace, who was it, Uh, YCZ, maybe, I think. YCZ and I commentated together, and then he was busy playing a match, and so I replaced him for a block. And it was when MACD beat Mango at that tournament, which was really cool to commentate. Oh, wow. Um, And I'd I'd gone back and listened to that a few times, and I don't think my commentary is very good, but I was excited. It was fun. It was fun to see it. Um, But I started with commentary, and what was the genesis for that is, I mean, I mean, it was honestly people telling me you should commentate when I was like, when we were at our locals at Columbia, uh, and I was just talking about the game, or when we were watching matches and I was saying it. And actually, I got it more at that time about League of Legends than about Melee, um, which is funny because. So, League of Legends is more accepting of people who are not highly skilled at the game as commentators as casters but only with the caveat that they are the play-by-play caster because they actually do have the divided role right um and smash ultimate is a little bit of the same way actually which you know you can attribute to it being quote-unquote more esports i don't know if this is if i'm allowed to say this but i know that the smash ultimate commentator form has like lead or backup as the as something you can put designate what you're more comfortable playing Mm -hmm. which to me feels very like traditional esports as opposed to melee commentary right um in in the vein of play-by-play and color anyways the reason it was funny for league is because i'm not good at league either like i don't know you know like i've been plat before but that is not good enough to be a to be what most people think of as a color commentator for that game. But that is what people were saying what I, that I should do. And uh, I think it's because I, I still read a lot of analysis and I do believe you can learn theory without being amazing at the game. And honestly, there are a lot of people who are respected as color commentators who aren't like challenger and stuff. But, you know, it's still... People still, once they find out, it, they're not too happy about it. Um, but But it was also because I just like knew the names of all the skills and stuff. Like I used to know the name of every ability without like trying to, I just knew it and stuff. (laughs) Um, These days I have no idea, even though I still watch League of Legends a lot. Uh, But it came from that. And then I started commentating. And then out of that, the interviews happened because again, this was related to League. I saw if any of the listeners watch League of Legends, they probably know who Travis Gafford is. He's the premier interviewer um, in League of Legends. And Travis has a very laid-back, casual interview style, one that plays on the fact that he has relationships with a lot of the players. And he's gotten flack for that before, for being a Riot mouthpiece or for whatever, like not going hard enough. A lot of which I think is pretty unfounded. Um, But I was like, why is no one doing this at Smash tournaments? especially when smash tournaments are the most on the ground experience you can get. Cause when you're watching bracket and going in between all the different setups for round two for top 64, Oh, it's, there's nothing else like it if you, if you've never done that before. So why is no one else doing this and giving the on the ground experience? And so I pitched HGC Evo 2016, I think maybe 2017. Um, was it really 2017? It must have... Yeah, I guess it was 2017. Uh, and I said, let's uh, let's do this. Let, let me do this, and we'll put it up on the HTC YouTube channel. And they said, yeah. And I did 10 interviews in that weekend. I used to do 10 interviews Damn. for every event that I went to. Oh, my God. What the fuck was up <laughs> with me? Um, it's impressive. Yeah, with Zero and with Mango and Hbox and Ken and and Yeah, that's how it came about and then people really liked him people liked him quite a bit And so when I left HTC I still did him freelance With HTC for a tournament for shine and put him up on their YouTube channel and then I figured well I can just do this myself. So let me let me
0: let me uh, stick on this for a sec. So at this point you um, Were urged to do commentary tried it liked it right just yeah one of those things you you kind of know if, if someone tries commentary for the first time like i liked it my first time too so mm-hmm. that, that's cool like I, I totally relate to that so the interviews it's interesting you you noticed um that you liked the style and you just wanted to give it a shot you're like okay i want to i feel like making something there's no there's room for this this could work was that mm-hmm. kind of your attitude
1: yeah it, it wasn't just there's there's room for this it's like why is no one doing this Right. Like what the fuck? Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. No, I, I. That's the same thing with the wannabes. I was thinking like, okay, there's a lot of people talking about the scene. There's a lot of people talking about, um, you know, current events, um, important issue. Like you guys talk about important issues on the analog, mm-hmm. but I was noticing, and then the, the bad melee was doing, um, comedy, and mm-hmm. Scar, uh, Scar, and Toef were doing. Um, kind of like top player hangout style. Yeah. I'm like, why is no one talking about their own experience? Like, I would love to see a, a montage of, you know, pick a top player that just like, imagine if Rio Beat had content from the last five years of his life um, on his road up to that level. <sighs> like, I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. So I totally relate. It's like, you don't want to be coming in and just doing something that's been done you know 20 times before um, and that's why I relate a lot to players because players feel like they're the most stuck in this whole situation mm-hmm. you know they they have to make another combo video or do what Zane's doing and start doing like 30 second sketches out of nowhere which I enjoy frankly but, I like his
1: sketches a lot
0: yeah they're not bad <laughs> um, but yeah alright so you noticed you noticed that there's something that is not being done Um, you did your first 10, you did your first batch. Um, Did you enjoy doing it? How was that process?
1: I loved doing it. It was super, super fun. Um, I really enjoyed doing it. And, you know, those ones was interesting too, because, I mean, I'm not going to lie, doing them for HTC and doing them myself is a completely different experience. I had a huge benefit of having an established platform on HTC. And so, you know, those videos got like, between the tens and 50,000s of views. And I think I only have two on my own channel that have reached 10K, Um, Phil, which ironically enough is the interview I feel the most shame about because I somehow knocked the focus loose on my camera before doing it. So it's like out of focus the entire interview. Uh, But other than that, it was a great interview. And I think the Hugo interview from, from that tournament from Genesis 6 also has a 10K because it was like when Hugo was blowing up and it was his birthday and he beat AMSA for top eight and stuff, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I immediately knew I liked it, but the thing at EVO was that we were I was releasing them as I was doing them. Like, legit, I would do an interview and then I would go to, if you guys have ever been to Mandalay Bay, there's a food court that is... Um, Still a fair walk from the venue. It's not as far as the hotel, but it's still pretty far. And I would go to the food court, and they had all the outlets there. And I would edit there on my computer, and then upload from there, and then go and do another interview while I had someone watching my computer. And so, so
0: grassroots. So Aww. I,
1: I mean, I, I put up, I put those up from the venue. Um, over that first, I think I did every interview on day one too. I think, I think. I did all ten on day one and I just corralled people to the meeting area. Um and obviously I had help in that I had Andrew Wu, uh my former coworker at HTC, Andrew, uh the the most underrated TO of all time. Um used to run the foundry and ran htc throwdown helping me contact people and i had htc clout so that i could get left in an hbox and stuff to come do interviews mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean i put them out day of because i was really fixated on the the like you're there at the tournament aspect of it um in the days when you know in in the early days of a tournament when there's not that much maybe that you care about um And what that meant is that I got to see the feedback in real time. And I mean, I'm so lucky that it was overwhelmingly positive. So I didn't really have to wait and sit with it uh, because I was just frantically doing these interviews. And I sort of just immediately knew like, oh, people like these. Like these are doing well on Twitter, on Reddit, on YouTube. I did an interview with Zero and, and I like said Nairo played what like the wrong heavy because Nairo was experimenting with bowser back then i think and i said dk or it might have been the other way around i have no idea to be honest um because smash 4 is not my forte i think he was playing bowser uh, and i said the wrong one and zero had to correct me and i was like i'm a fucking terrible interviewer and no <laughs> one cared that much like there were comments but everyone understood that i had just fucked up i was like oh okay sure i, I guess something about this is working
0: so that must have hooked you right away i mean you have you it it just i'm imagining just a um a righteous passion of Mm -hmm. like okay this is this is working let's just power through do an interview go and knock it out upload then just that instant like that that dopamine maybe not even dopamine what's the what's the long term one serotonin i don't know the difference serotonin
1: yeah but, i mean it was it was just instant gratification though it was yeah. instant gratification and also because i had told htc i will do 10 interviews cuz cuz i you know there was the if I'm being honest, there was also the thing behind it of I really want to do this. I've realized no one is doing this. I want to make it go really well and be good at it. I didn't know if I would be good at it, right, but I really wanted to be good at it and mm-hmm. to succeed and for it to do well. It's not like I was super blase about the whole thing, but because I had promised HTC ten interviews, it was like this one's uploading onto the next one like we gotta find fucking Leffin right now uh and do this shit. where's Ken where's chillin where's chewed at? where is chillin's fidget spinner he wants to talk about in the interview um so so it was instant gratification as i was doing it and i also did not have time where if it had not been going well to to like
0: really care about it that much <laughs> wow okay so you come out of that just probably straight up hooked mm-hmm. um what was your next event how 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 long before the next time you were able to do something like that
1: or next project
0: not even something like that like what was your next thing
1: Yeah, so i mean i was working on a bunch of stuff at htc at the time um i can't remember the exact timeline but that might have been when our our documentary about mango left in an hbox was coming out that we did which by the way y'all should go watch that it was really good directed by damian estrada uh current head of what is Damien's official's title at Team Liquid? He's, like, legit just head of content and merchandise and, like, everything Liquid, basically. But he used to be the head of their in-house creative studio, OneUpGG, who would do some of the best work in the business. Um, and so he helped make a beautiful documentary for us. Um, but, I mean, the next time I got to do interviews, I'm pretty sure it was Shine. Um, and... Shine 2017. And that was... Um, I might have actually have left HTC by the time that I did those. I'm fairly sure, uh, uh, but it was still. I mean, just basically the same same thing all over again. It it was it blew up less. I didn't have that zero interview actually. Even though Smash Four is not my forte, was the one that blew up the most. Um, because he was just such a god at the time. Everyone mm-hmm. was so into him. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, once I did Shine, it was just, uh, it felt even better. And at Shine, I got to make the interviews look hella nice, too, because I shot some of them outside. Um, there's one that I shot with Vish specifically outside, and this was when Shine was still in Boston downtown at the seaport. Awesome. And so it's, like, the, the harbor in the background, and it looks so good. You can hear a plane going overhead, like, multiple times, and there's a ton of traffic, but it looks... Amazing. And Vish tells a very funny story in that interview about getting hazed by someone. My case? No. By Azin. I think. I think it's about him getting hazed by Azin when he first started playing Smash. Oh, I can't even remember my own interviews. I'm a fraud. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did that. And then, yeah, I kept doing them. I did DreamHack Atlanta. Um... I did, uh, the big house, like longer form video that I mentioned earlier, or not longer form, but, uh, shorter form actually, but you know, with multiple players and I just did a bunch of those sort of things and slowly my energy reserves weaned off a little bit to be honest.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're pumping stuff out, you know, kind of nonstop when you go to these events, it's not exactly, uh. The easiest thing in the world oh sorry it was korean dj i just i just remembered it was korean dj that's who you got hazed by anyways um yeah so at what point did you realize that you needed to kind of either pace yourself or so what did you do about your energy kind of going down uh when i realized i needed to pace
1: myself was at genesis 2017 because as part of genesis 2017 yeah that was actually maybe one of the next things that i did so the last two genesis is before this one uh 20 oh or i guess it was at genesis 2018 yeah because it's in the new year so genesis uh five yeah so at genesis five and genesis six i i got a chance to do something that I had been wanting to do for a really, really long time, which was doing live for broadcast interviews as part of the tournament. Um, And so I interviewed all of the players uh, who qualified for Melee Top 8 the night before and asked them questions about pretty much all the possible bracket permutations they could have, like pretty much every single person who they could play And I edited together a lot, like 15, somewhere between 15 and 20 interviews. And I did it all myself. I did it that night. Um, And if you go back, those interviews are awesome. They're super good. But I was still a hugely fledgling audio Technician, and I'm still horrible at audio. I have never studied it. I've just taught myself. But I had these labs that I had just bought, and they were so fuzzy, and I didn't know how to wire them properly. And there were just audio issues with the balancing in general. And then the stream didn't play them at the correct audio or something. And so I was, it was one of the most, it was it was a truly sad, embarrassing um car crash moment for me because even though i think those interviews are are kick-ass uh seeing them on stream and opening twitch chat and seeing people going like audio production uh it was heartbreaking and then i did them again last year and uh the, pr- the process changed a little bit and we did them for ultimate 2 with uh james finally james who's really good at, uh a content creator as well and did a great documentary about zero and ally um but there were still audio issues and those ones were out of my control you know i don't know what to say about those and we didn't do that this year but it was really at genesis 2017 you know i all-nightered and then last year i all-nightered to editing um putting these videos together and i had done commentary and i competed and i was just felt like shit and i i realized after after genesis 5 oh i need to like maybe step back from one thing if i'm doing the other things and i didn't really do that for a really long time i think there's only been one tournament where i haven't done interviews and commentary and played um maybe two because yeah there's a few where i didn't get commentary but you know when i get commentary i still do the interviews but i I started doing fewer interviews it also was a, a factor of the fact that i had talked to so many of the people that I wanted to talk to and the other ones I didn't have access to. Mango doesn't like doing interviews. Pluck doesn't like doing interviews that much, although I think he'd say yes still. Leffen just won't say yes to me, which is fine. He wants to play. He only said yes beforehand because I had the HTC clout. Um, HBox is HBox, so, you know. Um, So there's fewer people that I'm truly interested in interviewing these days and I'm interested in, in, and then I want to preserve my energy as well because I have been in... Some truly fucked up places, energy-wise, where I did not take care of myself. And this Genesis, I did. And that's maybe the thing I'm most proud of, this Genesis. I played terribly in my pool. Last year, I did great. And then I had to actually DQ myself from my round two pools because I had commentary. Oh, that's so (laughs) alpha. That is so sick. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think the thing I'm most
0: proud of at Genesis
1: this year is that I actually took care of myself.
0: Yeah, and this is another just one of these conversations I love bringing up because a lot of times um especially in this community and this in this line of work, um it's very easy to get carried away, especially when opportunities present themselves. Um like whenever at a local you see commentary open up, you take it and you don't let it go because you don't know, you don't know when it's going to go away. You know, these things come and go so easily. Every tournament could have a lifespan of one. So I totally understand. And I think it takes a lot of kind of experience in doing what you're doing. And it definitely takes a few years to get to that point of trusting yourself where you can say, okay, I don't need to do, you know, 10 interviews. I can, I could I could do six, I could do six good ones and get, you know, six hours of sleep and you know, come back tomorrow and, and you know, film the set piece or, or whatever you got to do. Right. And and
1: I mean, in these past tournaments, I mean, at this tournament and at main stage, I only did one interview each. At this one, I had a bunch of other content that I did. Some videos that haven't even been released yet. I hope I can put those out and you, all, you guys can all hear Blur uh, rant about why he never should pay air venue fee. Um, <sighs> okay. <laughs> but, you know, I just did the PPMD interview at main stage. I just did a Zane interview and I wasn't even commentating at main stage but I think also a lot of that comes from the idea of being okay that you want to do this for yourself because when you do want to do it for yourself, you are able to maybe tune in more to how you're feeling and actually to take care of yourself. So like Two weeks ago at Hacks's Nightclub, I did the thing where I got on commentary with Jake Spear, and I didn't get off. And it was great. Jake and I had an amazing block. It made me super confident going into Genesis, and I had a great time. And then at this last HNC, I was feeling bad about my play, and I played terribly at HNC, too. And so I said, well, I don't really want to commentate that much. Uh, and it's okay for me to say that, because I know that in the end, me doing commentary is about what I want. The viewers of HNC, which is a sizable amount, we get like eight hundred to a thousand viewers. Yep, are not going to miss me for one week that much. So I know it's 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 for me, and for me, what I need right now is to play melee and and figure out why I'm so
0: fucking trash at this game right now. I hear you. No, I'm I'm the same way. I, after I lost this last, you know, this last tournament, I. I mean I had the opposite um result but I think I was just itching to get on commentary. I was like all right, I lost. Don't forget, like forget about it. Just hop on the mic and you know, but it was still about like it was still totally about me, you know? It was it was I want to get on and I want to make this happen. And what's interesting is I I I agree with you that it needs to be a realistic evaluation of what you're doing. But I think the motivation is kind of hard to pinpoint sometimes because there was a time where I thought the way to achieve my goals was to sacrifice one part of my life to sacrifice the gameplay and say I don't need this anymore. I got, you know, PR in Tri-State. I'm I'm good enough. When really it was New York City, it doesn't even, wasn't even Tri-State, but I told myself that. And Okay, now I just need to do commentary and and blah blah blah, and that led me to be a very unhappy person like we had a conversation a year ago at that one party um, right after I I started spitting vial on Twitter yeah, um, you were go-
1: you were coming for Ludwig's neck,
0: dude and what I've I had to do a lot of mental work to why I was doing that stuff and why I was calling out other commentators and why I was saying mean things like it was it was really just filling in for a huge insecurity I had where I thought the only way to achieve what I wanted was to get people to notice me. Right. And so the, the, the fastest means to an end there is to <laughs> is to piss off a bunch of people and get those um, interactions going. And that was like, okay, this is what I got to do. I got to stir the pot. I got to be that guy. And so, that taught me that like – and I'm still learning it. I'm still processing a lot of those emotions and like I think I've come out better for it. But I'm still looking for as many opportunities to like apologize and repent for that period of time. Sure. God, it was so fucking embarrassing. But <laughs> the, And I wasn't embarrassed for like six months either. Like I convinced myself still that that was the right thing to do, that I was in the right, that I was a vigilante You know, speaking truth when really I was just a jealous asshole who (laughs) is trying to take um, iron and turn it into gold by spitting fire, you know, on the king. Uh, That didn't make sense. But realistically, I needed to realize that what was good for me is not what's good for a idea of of achievement. What's good for me is what's good for my soul, what feels right, what's what is good and with melee that involves playing the game and and getting better and, and enjoying that process and i guess doing this podcast but just like talking to people and speaking truth and and speaking my story so i think i think it's hard sometimes to discern the difference between what's going to make like what's good for you in terms of a career and what's good for you in terms of like happiness you know yeah i i it's tough i agree
1: i i think it's also something that you need to understand with melee a lot because the cold hard truth is that um there's about 10 people in the melee community a bit more a bit more because actually a a few people are doing quite well for that make a living that can make a living, that yeah. have the potential to make a living. I, off oh, of Melee, I hear you. I hear you. To even come close to doing it. And I mean, Ludwig did not do that. I do want to be clear about that. Ludwig branched out because he couldn't have done it if he stayed with Melee. There's no, a 0% chance. I think, um, fuck, I forget what Slime was saying this about recently. Maybe you'll remember because I, I'm sure this is a tweet you appreciated as well. But Slime was was being critical of people talking about, like, making a living off of Melee. And he said, like, the thing that you need to do if you want to do Melee is not just stream and do bullshit. You need to, like just just get by like everyone else go out there make content with your unique view keep making it and show people what you bring that's different to the community mm-hmm. um i i don't remember why it came up but i mean it it's so 100 percent true oh yeah and and people i think so many people in the smash community actually there's a ton of people who have potential but they but they have not shown me any evidence that they know how to use that potential Uh, I think that your average smasher who wants to make a living off smash should stream 50% less and take that time to learn how to edit. Just like the basics of of video editing. Because I know that there are people who have video editors and all that, but um, imagine if instead of doing his stream that gets not that many viewers, where people tune in mostly because they just like his legacy, Armada learned how to do basic video editing and made a video essay that wasn't edited by his editor, but that was edited by himself. P PTAS made that peach video. That is what you need more of, the, the shit like that, where it comes with a point of view, with a thesis, with an aesthetic to it. Because when it's an editor who is just doing highlight clips you can have the best editor in the world shake Drizzle's a fucking monster but shake drizzle is not going to give you as a person an identity he's not going to separate you from the crowd if you're just having him make highlight clips because it's still a highlight clip video
0: dude you are you are cracking into the sauce of where i i'm this is this is my favorite conversation in the world and i 100% (laughs) agree like I think, and I'm not just saying this because you brought it up, but like that is literally my goal. Is like, okay, melee. Let's give it a th- a three percent chance. Let's give it a two percent chance that I become a, a a person that makes it a career. It's 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 mm-hmm. circumstance at best. It's it's contingent on someone giving me a shot that has like it's 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 a it's a pipe dream, right? Mm-hmm. But. The skills I can get by taking my passion for Melee, sticking it onto a podcast, a video series, commentary, and then developing those skills that can be translated into a, a, a more generalized career. Translation.
1: That's what it's all about. That's right. actually what it's all about. And I also want to be clear, like, I don't mean to rag on Armada and it's daunting to learn editing and and like um, – not to diss diss the podcast, but on the off chance Armada listens to this, like Armada, I very much understand why you took the path you did, and love for playing the games that you love playing is a big factor in it too. But translation is really the essence of it, right? You t- you take Melee as a place to experiment with your content, and and then learn who you are as someone who makes things. Because oh, I love that. Like liking Smash is not a personality big enough to sustain you on the internet it's just not you cannot name a single person who has been actually successful in content creation i mean like really successful um like anti or or zero or anyone where they're or ludwig or hugo or mango where their personality boils down to i am good at or i like smash it doesn't come down to that For Ludwig, you use it as a place to find your brand of humor, which is self-deprecating and toes the line between uh, so simple it's stupid and the delicious irony that Ludwig actually probably knows what he's talking about. And he figured that out through Smash and translated it. For Hugo, it's a very similar type of, of towing the line, but it's also him realizing that he is brilliant at talking to people on, in an online capacity, it, talking to Twitch chat and switching between making fun of himself knowingly to to like taking himself being the butt of a joke and making that work uh, in his favor. He's very good at that. So, so you you take Smash and you translate it in some way, right? I think that's what people need to do more. Uh, you, you figure out who you are through Smash as opposed to letting being a Smash player define your entire identity as a content
0: creator oh my Uh, i love that so much and it's it's something i've been preaching for a while it's like i i have gotten made fun of for this before but i've i talked about how this is a kind of a, a an opportunity to kind of dig into yourself and as you said find your identity i couldn't i can't phrase that any better um and i think a lot of people underestimate the ability this game i think specifically melee i'm sure ultimate and other fighting games have have similar attributes but i think people really underestimate the ability of this game to bring out who you are and use it as a journey to self maybe not self-actualization but at least some sort of self-discovery right yeah and that is you know any successful comedian artist musician Anything, any any person who creates, even business people, you know, there has to be some level of getting past the artifice and and figuring out what's different. I mean, I'm I'm relaying a lot of the same points. I'm just surprised I wasn't the one to to bring it up this time. Like, <laughs> it's it's yeah, I I really couldn't say it any better. Like, this is all a, a playground that we get to try things out and then maybe if we're lucky build a brand and if we're luckier make a a little bit of coin now and then Mm -hmm. but realistically this is just an amazing experience like i would not wake up the hour i do to do anything else right now than you know edit a podcast and practice melee like
1: yeah when you and will had to wake up at 5 a.m to record
0: i wait yeah i wake up at 5 a.m every day oh true and um that's just – I couldn't imagine anything else that would get me up. I don't wake up on Thursdays. I sleep in on Thursdays because I'm at Hacks' Nightclub on Wednesdays. <laughs> sure. Um, but if I was just doing something else, like, man, I, I don't know. It, it, I would – I wouldn't have that energy. I wouldn't have that drive. And so I'm grateful for Melee to to give that to, to me and to you and – now we get to kind of see how I'm I'm happy this is the conversation right now. I'm grateful for people like slime who are very aware of that process and mm-hmm. you know even though 90% of what he says is just outrageous jokes and like silliness um he is constantly championing the that philosophy of yes melee is great and what like what else do you have
1: yeah and i think that the idea of making original content seems daunting to people but i can tell you firsthand from my like okay obviously my interview videos don't do extremely well like i like by by general by by actual comparing to the rest of the field standards you know my pp videos at like 2500 views or whatever counterpoint my zero video got 50,000 views. I, and I think that if I promoted more or had more of a platform or were more consistent about it, all these things that I say as though they're easy and they're really hard. But if I did those things, they could do that much better. But actually, but, but that, that's not really the point. The point is making stuff people aren't doing, it's so easy because no one's doing anything that interesting in Melee right now. I, I mean, that's a little facetious, but like there are so, so, so many things that you could be doing, right? I remember um, one of my favorite videos I've ever seen in Melee, and this goes back to the super nerdy thing, but it's something that's so easy to do. Kennicky, legendary Reddit commenter, did a video uh, a year and a half ago-ish, um, after Plup, so two years actually ago, after Plup1Genesis, comparing how Plup and Leffen got different KOs on Puff. And it was just a super simple statistical breakdown. All you need to do is watch some sets, take some notes, and then have basic knowledge of Sony Vegas or Windows Movie Maker. And he just listed how they did it. You need to know how to take averages to show how they did it. And no one does that at all. That's like the most basic thing where it is the most nerdy data analytics thing. But something like that is so easy to do. Um, it's not that hard to find your own content, and keep and going. the other yeah keep going. And the other thing I wanted to say too is a realization I had a year ago in, in, on the topic of like moving from Smash into other things is oh I do like other video games I sort of forgot that, <laughs> and it's almost like another one of those things that's verboten in the Smash community to like other video games to care about them as much or even more than smash bros but i mean all the popular smash streamers play other video games and i think a big part of that is realizing oh i can find the joy that i find in this game in other video games or in movies or in in other things tv or books or comedy the study of comedy that i can make content about and i can apply the same sensibilities once i find a sensibility which is what people have trouble with to other things as well
0: hell yeah No, it's all, it's all about translation. Um, Speaking of translation, we need to translate this to the end. Um, And look, we blew past an hour. I've, we did, honestly, I've never had an interview where I haven't like looked at the, I I looked up at the time. I'm like, Oh shit. Like (laughs) we got to wrap this up. Um, But okay. This is what I ask everyone um, at the end of the podcast. So Let's say you are presented with a guy who is following the same shoes as you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or or it doesn't have to be a guy. They they've been doing it for uh, they've been doing it for a year, right? So basic video editing, um, some commentary experience. Um, they play Falco, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what advice would you give this person off the bat? to set them on a path to success? You know, a lot of what I talked about was about
1: motivations. And I think that a lot of the area of motivations aligns with the areas of success in terms of realize you're doing it for yourself, make the things you want to make, that'll set you apart, yada, 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 all that. But really, the thing that is going to make you successful On this path especially is one to make friends with people, to to make friends with people who are trying to do the same things you do. And then two to reframe how you look at asking for favors. Don't look at asking in my example, asking Bobak. Can I do these before game interviews for top eight, which were so messy, you know, but I'm still so proud of. Don't look at doing that as clout chasing or using your connections to get ahead because everything in Melee happens through that. Look at it as the opportunity to make something great with someone else who cares as much as you do. And all of your guilt about using your connections to do something will go away and your enjoyment will increase tenfold because you'll start to see it as a chance to make something for the community you love with people you love. So my advice is to find the people you love who also like to make creative things and then pursue collaboration and opportunities through love and all the stigma you feel about it all of the self-doubt about people hating you because you used clout chasing, etc., it will go away. There's enough people in this community that you'll find someone who can put you on. I guarantee you, you'll find someone who can put you on. And
0: then you gotta eliminate the phrase put you on from your
1: vocabulary.
0: <laughs> chasing love, shooting down clout chasing as a concept. That was just the last 30 seconds. It doesn't
1: fucking exist, by the way. Clout chasing doesn't, no one... It's not a thing. Oh, dude, this just content's wanna... good enough, man. <laughs> this content's
0: good enough. Look, Zane, look, I'll say it. My favorite Zane. You <laughs> came on. You have blessed our podcast with the analog mojo. I am so grateful that you came on. Um, and really quick, just throw out your plugs. Where can people find your stuff? Oh, sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on, by the
1: way. It was really fun. I can talk about this for hours, as you know. If you like listening to me talk about this sort of stuff for hours, you can check out Analog, the podcast that I occasionally do with Rishi. It's very occasional, but it does happen sometimes. I promise you. If you search Analog Cast on YouTube, you can find it there. We're also Analog Cast on SoundCloud, iTunes, um, Spotify. Analog Cast on 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 Twitter will give you all the links. Uh, if you're interested in my interviews, youtubecom um, I show up on Cheddar Esports every now and then, even though I don't work for them anymore. Uh, Go watch Genesis VODs. I did commentary management for that and felt like I maybe made the best commentary lineup of all time. So go do that. Hard agree. And uh, the other thing is that I write things sometimes, too. That's actually where a lot of my true passions lie. I write esports articles. And for that... um, you can follow my Twitter mainly, uh, you can go to htc esports slash resilience if you want to read an article I wrote on Chillin' a few years ago, you can search Hungrybox for better or worse if you want to read an article I wrote on Hungrybox, and uh, if you go to my Twitter right now, I actually published an article about Meister, the Smash Ultimate Game & Watch who everyone hates for playing Game & Watch in the Washington Post today, uh, on the day of recording, which will not be the day of release. but. At one point during the week, if JD does his editing properly, when this is released, I did do that.
0: Whoa! So, <laughs> what the hell?
1: I mean, I don't edit analog episodes for five fucking days afterwards because staring down the file in Premiere is makes me want to sleep for a million years. So yeah, yeah. you're right. But that—that's pretty much everything. I don't know.
0: Just you got just... some. You got some stuff, man. Look, I'm so happy you came on. Um. Honestly, you might be a return guest. I might I might bother you for another one. Since oh, I'm down. It took so long to get back to me on this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, have a good night, and uh, I'll too. see you on Wednesday, right? Yeah, I'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take
1: care. You too.